Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... God! 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 To be the man! You gotta beat the man! The 2-1. Swan Lane drive left hand! Water on his end! This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down here in Tampa. Appreciate you finding us on all your podcast platforms. Remember, you can find all of our video interviews as well on my YouTube channel at Jason Powers Sports Channel. We post those all there as well. Remember, I'm I'm also the host of the Florida Football Insiders Podcast, as well as the No Quarter Given Podcast podcast which kind of focuses all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers so got new episodes coming out on Thursday of this week for all three podcasts so again appreciate you finding us we'd love to hear from you if you have any comments or suggestions at JPO Sports on Twitter um, gonna have a good episode for you this week we're gonna, I'm gonna give you some thoughts on the NFL week two I'm gonna talk give you a Hit a couple of the headlines in the sports world. Aaron Judge, Brett Favre, Herm Edwards fired. And then we're going to get to Coach Jim Levitt in our Coach and the Kicker segment this week. We're going to talk um, Hail Marys. How do you defend a Hail Mary? We're going to talk a little Florida State, Louisville, Miami A&M, and such, and some games from around the country. So got a good uh, talk with Coach Levitt. We're also going to talk to Colin Sherwin. He's the college sports editor with DraftKings Nation. We're going to talk some gambling, some trends through the first couple of weeks of the NFL and the first three weeks of the college football season, where he's going to give you a couple teams that he likes this weekend, both in the college and the NFL when it comes to gambling. So uh, let's get to the wild, wild NFL week number two. We thought week one was wild. Well, week two was just as wild with some unbelievable finishes. Three teams blew huge leads. Las Vegas, the Raiders, blew a 20 to nothing lead over Arizona. Cleveland inexplicably gives up two touchdowns in the last minute 50 to the Jets, who had no timeouts. Should Nick Chubb have fallen down short of the goal line? All that controversy. But again, inexplicably, the Jets beat the Cleveland Browns at the on a missed extra point late. Joe Flacco with a dramatic finish. And then Baltimore, the wild fourth quarter in Baltimore with Tua throwing four of his six touchdown passes in the fourth quarter as Baltimore loses a blows a 35-14 fourth quarter lead. Um, just what a wild finish as well. So just three huge finishes. Um, wild, crazy endings. The Colts in Tennessee look terrible. The Colts get blown out in Jacksonville. Tennessee gets destroyed on Monday night. In Buffalo, big problems there. Could the Jacksonville Jaguars actually contend and potentially win that AFC South? They are looking much better under Doug Peterson. Trevor Lawrence is playing well. That defense is pretty good. The offense is pretty good as well. So be on the lookout for Jacksonville. Detroit wins their first game of the year, beating the Commanders. The the, the offense in Detroit looks good. Jared Goff played well. The Buccaneers and Saints with their fisticuffs. 
in New Orleans. Again, a huge win for the Bucks, 20 to 10. And how about Cooper Rush in Dallas? Everybody thought Cincinnati was going to get right, going to destroy the Cowboys, but Cooper Rush gets it done. They beat the Bengals 20 to 17 on a game-winning field goal at the buzzer by uh, Brett Maher. So give Cooper Rush credit; he played well in his first game. They've got a schedule there now where they can win a couple more games with with Cooper Rush at the helm before Dak comes back. Got the Giants on Monday night. This coming up Monday night in in New York, a very winnable game there. So. Excellent job by Cooper Rush and that offense and that Dallas defense continues to play well uh, as well. So lots of stuff going on through two weeks. And again, Jimmy G back in the saddle for the 49ers. Ter uh, terrible news with Trey Lance breaking his ankle. But again, nobody will admit this on the record, but the 49ers are probably a better team today than they were a week ago with Trey Lance at the helm with Jimmy G's experience and such. Uh, the professionalism he brings and just the continuity he brings to that 49er locker room. Again, nobody's going to admit that on the record, but I think deep down, if you ask most of those players in that coaching staff and John Lynch, they are probably in a better position today to make a deep run in the NFC than they were a week ago with Trey Lance at the helm. So um, how about Aaron Judge at the time of this recording? 60 home runs and almost assuredly is going to break the uh, – Roger Maris's 61 record. Uh, everybody's got their own view of what's the home run record. Is it is it McGuire? Uh, is it Bonds uh, 73 or is it the old school Roger Maris 61? Um, depending on what your stance is on steroids and your your opinion to to award a guy like Bonds who everybody knew was on steroids the 73 record, or do you go back to the old school Roger Maris 61 record? Either way. What an accomplishment for Judge if he breaks the record. What a season. He's on pace to win the Triple Crown. Uh, average home runs and RBIs. He's clearly going to be the MVP of the American League. He's carried that team to the playoffs. They're, they are kind of limping home if you're the Yankees in the AL East. Going to win the division, but they're kind of limping into the playoffs. They need some pitching help. But again, what a year for Judge who's in a contract year and has at least made him another $120 million from the hundred from the two hundred and thirteen million dollar offer he turned down in spring training. His contract number is going to be well over three hundred, uh, probably closer to three fifty. But again, good for Judge for betting on himself. And he's kind of carried that Yankee team throughout the uh the dog days of summer when they were really laboring to win games. Have you seen this Brett Favre story about the scandal he's involved with in Mississippi, where he and the governor of Mississippi allegedly we're scheming to uh, use $5 million of the state of Mississippi's money towards welfare, towards building a volleyball facility on the, on the Southern Miss campus, where it just so happens his daughter plays volleyball at Southern Miss. Uh, text messages have been released. There's, uh, there's a civil law case, lawsuit pending. Brett Favre is going to be in some big trouble here if they prove that he was scheming uh, to, to – to you know, skim money off the state of Mississippi in the to the tune of about five million dollars. Uh, he and the governor obviously were, were were in cahoots to some degree. It will be interesting to see what these text messages and communications show of how much Brett Favre knew what was going on, how much he and the governor, who's a friend of his, uh, were conspiring to to make this happen. Brett Favre could be facing some serious uh, allegations and charges here real soon. 
So keep an eye on that case in Mississippi involving uh, Brett Favre and the $5 million to build, the of all things, a volleyball facility on the Southern Miss campus for his where his daughter happens to be a volleyball player. So Herm Edwards fired at Arizona State. Second coach this year has already been let go. Scott Frost at Nebraska. Herm was in all kind of turmoil with all the allegations from last, the last couple of years, recruiting allegations. He's let go at Arizona State after they lost to Eastern Michigan, now one and two. Um, some names to be on the lookout for, I think. Look out for a guy named Tom Herman. Let go at Texas, good coach. Maybe Texas was a little too big for him, but Arizona State might be a great landing spot for a guy like him who's got recruiting connections in Texas, good coach, has really never been in any recruiting trouble. So he could be a guy you could see go to Arizona State. Maybe a guy like Dan Mullen, the former Florida coach. Remember, he coached with Urban out at Utah, so he's got some West Coast Pac-12 ties from back in his day, and Utah wasn't in the Big 12 at the time. But again, he knows the West Coast a little bit from his time at Utah. Look, I'll be on the lookout for a guy like Dan Mullen as well. You're going to have some assistants being mentioned, guys like Jeff Grimes at Baylor um, that has some West Coast ties as well. So interesting hire that's come in in Arizona State. Many people believe, especially my guy Matt Zemick, who hosts the Get Off My Pylon podcast out west for the Pac-12, he, he really thinks Arizona State could be as a sleeping giant. Remember, they had some success back in the late uh, 90s, early 2000s. Jake Plummer and company. Uh, Snyder was the coach. Did, had some good years there at Arizona State. Pat Tillman and company. They've had some good players. They've had some NFL kind of guys. Um, you know, So it'll be very interesting to see how they go and how they progress and move forward at Arizona State with the football program. Fantasy football, a couple nuggets. Jeffrey Wilson, running back, San Francisco 49ers. Be on the lookout for him. He's going to be the guy now for a little while in San Fran. They love to run the ball. Obviously, with Jimmy G at the in the mix, he won't be running, so they're going to be doing some more direct handoff kind of plays. You'll probably see Debo Samuel run the ball a couple times a game as well, but Jeff Wilson's a guy from a fantasy perspective to, to, to potentially jump on uh, if he's if he's available in your league. Again, he's a solid running back. He's not gonna he's not gonna wow you, but he's gonna get fifteen to probably fifteen to eighteen carries every week for them. They're a good running team. He knows how to Shanahan knows how to scheme up running play. So you could see you could see some uh, movement there. Big games in the NFL. You got Green Bay, Tampa. You got Miami, Buffalo. So you got some big games. You got Dallas and the Giants on Monday night. Sunday night you got the 49ers and Shanahan returning to Denver, where his dad coached in. Denver with Russell Wilson. Hackett continues to be a disaster in game management. Delay of games, burning timeouts and all that. He better get his you-know-what together real quick in Denver. Uh, But again, uh, a couple gambling nuggets for you as we head to the weekend before we get to Coach Levitt. Listen to Colin Sherwin later in this podcast. He's going to give you some nuggets as well. I like Tennessee minus the 10 and a half against Florida this weekend. I think Florida is vulnerable. I think this is a great spot for Tennessee. They've been waiting for this moment to really stick it to Florida, I think. I think you're going to see Tennessee win by double digits comfortably this weekend in Knoxville. Uh, I also like kind of a sneaky off-the-radar game. I like Auburn minus the seven against Missouri. I know Auburn got beat pretty good by Penn State, but again, Auburn is not that bad. I think the, the quarterback's not bad. 
The defense is pretty decent, and I don't think Missouri's very good. So I'm going to lay the seven with Auburn in the NFL. I like Dallas on Monday night, minus one and a half. I like Cincinnati to rebound against the Jets, minus the five on the road. And I like the Bucks Sunday afternoon in Tampa, home opener, minus one against Green Bay. Anytime Tom Brady's three points or less, you take the Buccaneers. Uh, that's what I. That's where I'll go from there. So, one other note I got to tell you: college football. Can you believe Duke and Kansas are both three and zero? Duke and Kansas in football. This ain't the Final Four. This ain't the East Regional. This is Duke and Kansas football. And guess what? They play each other this week. So one of the two teams is going to be four and zero. By the way, Kansas's over/under total for the year was two and a half. If you had that ticket, you already cashed the ticket. Duke, not much more. So big shout out to those programs. Mike Elko at Duke, the coach. Lance Leopold at Kansas. Both those guys will be on the radar for more jobs in this offseason if they continue to play well. But again, shout out to Duke and Kansas football, both 3-0, and playing each other this week in Lawrence. Enjoy the podcast. Coach Levitt coming up right after these messages. The Powers on Sports, Florida Football Insiders, and No Quarter Given Podcast is presented by Beefo Brady's on the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue in Tampa over in the Forest Hills, Carrollwood area. For all your catering needs, group events, reach out to Beefo Brady's. They can definitely take care of you. If you want to go watch some football on a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and even Monday night, I definitely recommend Beefo Brady's corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue, as well as Hank's Barbecue on Northdale Mabry, just north of Waters Avenue, and Home Slice Pizza Company, which is also right next to the Beefo Brady's on Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. So for all of your football watching needs or catering needs, whether it's barbecue, pizza, or Beefo Brady's, reach out to TJ Maloof and tell him the Powers on Sports podcast sent you. Are you in the market for a new home as we enter the fall? First-time home buyer, you want to upsize or downsize your current living situation, reach out to Titan Home Lending for all of your home lending needs. If you need an FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, or even a bank statement loan, Titan is the place to help you. We will work with whatever financial situation you are dealing with. Again, from Key West to Pensacola to Orlando to everywhere in between, Titan Home Lending is your home lending source in the state of Florida. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. Special thanks to our partners at Print and Marketing Solutions and Realtor Star Alvarado. If you are looking to sell your home or are looking to purchase a home anywhere in the Tampa Bay area, from Tampa to St. Pete to Wesley Chapel and everywhere in between, reach out to Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. She will be a great advocate for you on both the selling side and the purchasing side of the real estate transaction. So Star Alvarado, 813-538-9572. Print and marketing solutions. Do you have a corporate event? Do you have golf tournaments? Are you involved in an election? Do you need signs, banners, road signs? Do you need marketing pieces? Do you need color copies, business cards, everything in between? Reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887. Todd's located off of the, the intersection of Lineball and Gun Highway over in Carrollwood. He is a full-service print and digital marketing supplier. Anything you need in the print, and, print needs, 
Todd can help you. So reach out to Todd Tedesco, 813-498-2887, Print and Marketing Solutions. All right, welcome back to the Coach and the Kicker segment presented by Beefo Brady's on Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue. Uh, I'm playing hurt today, Coach. I'm going to need a good defensive game plan today to get me through the through our talk. My voice is, is, is in bad shape, but uh, we'll make it through. You sound good. Here we go. <laughs> All right, let's get right to it. We had some uh, drama over the weekend in the state of Florida. We had uh, a great game in Gainesville. Florida escapes 31-28 over USF. Florida State wins Friday night 35-31 in a good, really good game. You had a Miami A&M. Miami goes down 17-9 in College Station, another really good game. And then we had UCF uh, beats FAU 40-14. to Much closer game than that at the half, and the game kind of got away from FAU in the second half. Let's let's first start. Um, let's start in Gainesville. Great game, great performance by the Bulls. Give them all the credits. They come up a little short. You know, we talked about special teams. The holder drops the ball in the last kick of the game, fifty-yard field goal attempt. Just your thoughts of the your general thoughts of the football game. Well, last time we talked, I told uh, I told you don't be surprised if uh, South Florida doesn't make it really close. You know, to halftime. And I thought the second half, I thought Florida would pull away. Yep. Uh, but they didn't. And uh, South Florida absolutely outplayed them. They did. They outcoached them. They had them more ready to play. Uh, Florida was not ready to play. Uh, they were outcoached and they were outplayed. I mean, uh, the bottom line is, you know, what what bothered me a little bit was, you know, they've got a, uh, South Florida's got the transfer quarterback who showed showed a lot of, uh, confidence and they and their team played with confidence uh but to throw that pick after after uh, uh south florida makes the corner makes such a great interception right and um you just have got to protect the football it, you, you know you just can't make that mistake especially against university of florida at their place uh but then they drive down they get the ball again drive down and uh you know it's you know the the bad snap and uh and i I think they probably would have gone in there and scored and won the game. I thought they, 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 they would at that point. Right. But what what was remarkable to me was Florida has the ball first and goal on the five, and they throw and they throw the fade, which was a really poor poorly thrown ball. I mean, the quarterback they have from Eastside uh, uh, Gainesville is uh, he's he's a very good athlete, but I don't know how great of a quarterback he is right now yet. Struggling to throw the ball, struggling. He's not right now. It doesn't mean he won't be. Right. It doesn't mean he can't be. Nobody really knows. And I'm sure the coaches of Florida don't know. And I'm sure that Richardson's got to – he's got to figure it out. I know he's got great confidence in himself, but he can't make the mistakes he made. Not right. if they want to be – I mean, it's the most important position on the field. And to throw that fade, now what bothered me a little bit was they said that he checked to it. Now of course I don't know I'm not in I'm not with the coaches at Florida, but that happened to me when I was head coach of South Florida. We were in a situation where our quarterback checked out on a very similar to that early in our program, and I said we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> uh, I said it went, there's got to be a way that you get in that situation and you don't allow your quarterback to check. You're going to run the ball. You you know you got down to running the ball. I don't think South Florida would have stopped them. And uh, you do not give your quarterback the ability to do that. That's how I feel. 
now you might give them three to, but and all you have to do is have something on you just got to tag it you know uh you know just a way to tell a quarterback hey, in this situation you don't have the freedom to check right you know we're going to run these plays and that's it so you know there's a lot of uh you know a lot there's going to be some real discussions i'm sure right uh, you know very good coaches on both sides i thought i, I was i was really happy with the uh, incredible coaching on with south florida the offense yes. coordinator Great um, play calling, very creative play calling, and the defense. Uh, you know, the defense coordinator did a really good job as well. Uh, I thought, um, for South Florida, they just they just absolutely outcoached the, the coaches at Florida, they just really did and had their team ready to play. I agree. Yeah, Anthony Richardson kind of reminds me of Trey Lance in the NFL, a guy with a ton of potential but just not a good thrower yet, has not played a lot of games. We talked about it. He's only played, you know, started three or four games in his career, so he's still learning. He doesn't understand, you know, the passing game is probably a little too complicated for him now. He's going to get better and better as he moves along. Got great talent, but you're right. You, you can't you can't try to be – how do you – how do you – obviously as a quarterback, it's more experience than you as the head coach gives him a little more freedom to check at the line of scrimmage. Is that correct? Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to know your player. And I certainly – they. I, I'm not with them. And, you know, he played such a good game in a Utah game. But, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, the jury's out on, on how great of a quarterback he's going to really be. You just don't know. And it doesn't mean he doesn't have great God-given talent. And uh, and I had, a, I had a quarterback like that uh, at South Florida one time. And, you know, we tried to limit him uh, quite a bit and do what he can do. And, right. you know – Coaches of Florida are very good. They're good coaches. They're gonna they're gonna figure that one out, and uh, they, they obviously play him because he's the best player they they have, you know. But the bottom line is this: also, you you can't go to. I mean, it was a great job by South Florida, right. but you didn't win. Right. You know, we went up. I remember well, one year was after the year we were. You know, one year we ranked number two in the country, and the next year we ranked tenth in the country. We went up and played Joe Paterno's team at Penn State. They had 108,000 people there. And it came down to an onside kick. And we I felt like we outplayed him in a lot of ways. And I felt like we got the onside kick. I don't think, you know, it's a long story on that one. But we came so close to beating Joe Paterno on a very good Penn State team, but we didn't win. Right. And, you know, and, and as we built our program, I said the bottom line is, you know, you Oklahoma, we went to Oklahoma, we outplayed them in a lot of the game and we didn't win. Uh, there were other games like that. TCU, we, had, we hadn't lost a game in five years and TCU came in and beat us 13 to 10, uh, but we didn't win. And right. you got to win those games. You know, that was so great about us going up to beat Florida State or some of those others. We've lost those games. Right. And I, I understand what Jeff's, Jeff's team played extremely well, played a great game. It's a loss. Right. You got, I'm saying, uh, quarterback, you know, seeing to protect the football, the snap. I thought the kicker, boy, what a good kicker they have. He, he's, he's outstanding, I think. And, you know, it's just sad that those things happened when, you know, when it could have been such a big win and we could have done this, could have done that. The bottom line is you got to win it, you lose. That's and the Florida won the game. South Florida did not. And, um, I, again, I thought South Florida played them, but they didn't win. And, uh, you got to win those games. I mean, and they had it all set up for him in the last drive. If the guy doesn't snap the ball, I, again, is that pressure of the moment? Who knows? You don't know. You know, the, the, you had the bad snap, and then you had the bad snap on the field goal attempt, or the, the, and then the holder didn't 
catch the ball well either. But, you know, those are the moments where, like you said, the good teams become great when they make those plays in those moments. That's what elevates you to a to a good program, to a great program. Yeah, now they go on the road to play Louisville, and right. it's a totally different thing. Just because they played Florida so close doesn't mean they're going to go beat Louisville. Right. They may, they may not. The bottom line is execution, doing all the right things. And I know that's what Coach Scott, I'm sure, is telling their team. Um, it's very tough to go win at Louisville. Uh, but the bottom line is just keep getting better, keep getting better. Right. Protect the football. The game plan, again, I thought was outstanding. I'm with you. The coaches, they had them ready to play. And, and the leadership is going to be really important uh, as they go into Louisville. And, you know, it's a tough place to, to go. It's a – you know, they've, they've got, um, you know, I've, I've been a part of those kind of schedules. You just go in and play one game at a time and go after it, and hopefully they'll do enough good things uh, uh, to come out on top. But you don't know. You know, every game is different. Uh, speaking, you know? Of, speaking of Louisville, Florida State goes to Louisville Friday night, wins a really dramatic game. Jordan Travis, the quarterback, gets hurt in the second quarter. The backup comes in, plays well. Johnny Wilson, the receiver from the transfer from for Florida State, comes in and has a monster game, has a great uh, final touchdown catch with about six minutes to go. And then the defense, again, the Florida State defense wins the game at the end with the interception. Your thoughts Friday night, Malik Cunningham, ill-advised throw there at the end. You know, uh, you know, big win for Mike Norvell. Well, it's huge. You know, really is really big. And I and I think says a lot about what Florida State is. They're really building something. Uh, you don't know. You got to keep going through the year. But to go into Louisville and win that game, I said last week, that's going to be a huge game for both teams. Yep. Uh, Louisville had just gone to Central Florida and beaten them, yep. which is very difficult. And now they have my home, Florida State. They had things going. Florida State comes in. Uh, Louisville had some momentum and to win that game uh, you've got to give Florida State a lot of credit uh, for winning that game that's not easy to do uh, I said last week uh, Cunningham is again inconsistent at quarterback yep. he's a tremendous athlete at times he's unstoppable he does some things that are uh, remarkable uh, but what impressed me was he made some mistakes like you had said at the end but how about the backup quarterback at Florida State yes was very impressed with him. I thought he came in. Uh, they've got two really good quarterbacks there, and that's important. And what an outstanding job he did. And what a what a great job for Florida State. Great, great job, really is. No, no doubt. And again, they, they, they again the defense again back to we talk about winning close games. I mean, again, the last two years Florida State lost all these games. They're figuring out ways to win these tight ones late. You know, the LSU obviously the LSU game, the way they won that on special teams right. at the end. They won a game on defense. You you, you mentioned it back at the backup quarterback that give that's got to give the coaching staff and the team massive confidence. We don't know what the status of of Jordan Travis is going to be, but knowing you got a second guy that can come in the game and win games for you. No, and I'm telling you, I was – Play well and play well. Travis is a good player. We all know that. He's really good. But, man, I I was impressed with this This, this other quarterback. I, and I, you're talking about a battle in there now. They got, they've got they got a good situation. They get Jordan back healthy. And, you know, it's – I mean, again, most important position on your team. But I was I was very impressed with the uh, with the quarterback for State. I was really – I thought he did an outstanding, outstanding job. Tate Rotomaker, Tate Rotomaker. Yeah, right. and, and like I said, we talked about last week. How many reps do you give a guy like the backup quarterback right. in practice? And we talked about that. And again, 
much different than in the NFL. You actually give your backup some reps and practice throughout the week, correct? You do. And, you know, we talked about 40% last time. I said um, whatever they did at Florida State was obviously the right thing to do because they had him ready. And he had himself ready. Yep. And it has a tribute to, to him. I mean, you know, that's that's a very tough situation to come into. A very, very tight game, 21-21, or it's a little bit probably not where when he came in. And for him to, to, to lead Florida State to win at Louisville and to and to use his legs and run when he did out just I was very impressed very impressed with that very good very good yeah you, you listen to the coach and the kicker uh, segment with head coach Jim Levitt former USF head football coach again we're breaking down all the games from around the country in the state of Florida um, before we get to Miami and the FAU talk about Herm Edwards Herm Edwards gets let go at Arizona State on Sunday you probably have had a relationship with him at being in Tampa when he was with the Buccaneers, Coach Dungy. Uh, just talk about that. You know, they lose to Eastern Michigan. We talked about last week with, with Scott Frost. You're losing to teams you can't lose to at home. There's some there's some allegations of some stuff going on in the program. Arizona State cuts the ties with Herm Edwards. Just your general thoughts about it. I know you know Herm a little bit. Talk about just Herm in general. Well, I like Herm. And him and his wife, I, you know, I, I coached Herm's son at, at South Florida, and I – I've always liked her. And when I was at uh, Oregon, we beat Arizona State out there and uh, played pretty well in the game there. And her and I talked after the game. I just, uh, I just, I just like him. The problem is, is before the season even started, people were going to were wondering. There's so much smoke about the recruiting violations and right. what was on with, uh, and and really it's centered on on you know Herm's head football coach. So it's all going to go to him. But the defensive coordinator and right. uh, some of the, the other people they let go uh, to try to, I think, kind of scoot away from that. Right. But there was probably too many things that were happening. And I think there's going to be a lot more happening at Arizona State yeah. uh, in the next number of weeks uh, that are going to, it's all going to come out probably. And there's probably not a lot of good things. You know, there are probably some things that they did that were wrong. Right. But I don't know because I'm not the NCA. I'm not there. I don't right. Right. I do like Kerm and, uh, you just don't want to lose to Eastern Michigan on top of all the other things. program is Colorado. You didn't bring up Colorado, but here that's a program that the last year I was there, we won 10 games and is you know, no job is easy, but Colorado can win. There yeah. are no questions. One of the most beautiful places in America. Uh, McCartney won. Uh, we won the one year, yeah. uh, you know, play Washington championship game yeah. and they're just getting destroyed and uh, they're not even competitive right now. And that's, right. That's it. Will be interesting to see what happens in that scenario. So, yeah, a lot of different things happening. You know, here two or three games and already, people getting fired, and the <laughs> yeah. landscape of football is just so different than when I played, when I coached, uh, and, um, and it's just a different world. And we all thought that Nebraska might play better against Oklahoma with the new coach and cleaning that out, and they got destroyed by Oklahoma. I mean, that that's going to be an ugly, you know, just the way it looks. That's probably going to be, you know, again, I don't want to make predictions, but that may be an ugly, you know, that might be a four and eight kind of year at Nebraska just because that looks ugly there. Well, you know, you just wonder their talent level, obviously. You know, I don't know how much leadership they really have. And, and tribute to Brent Venables. Brent played for me at Kansas State and was oh, my team okay. for uh, years. <clears throat> and I, I'm really excited about him being the head coach at Oklahoma. And uh, he's a tri- one of the best coaches out there. He's got great passion for the game, love for his players. And yep. he, Ready because that 
that could have been a tough situation. You just don't know. There's uh, variables that you just don't know going into Lincoln and new coach and just got fired. And is a team going to rally behind uh, Joseph and all those type of things? You just don't know. And uh, give a lot of get a lot of credit to Brent and, and Oklahoma Sooners. And they got remember they have the the UCF transfer quarterback Gabriel. The kid from UCF is the quarterback at Oklahoma now. So, again, more Florida connection. And the point you made last week about an interim coach, after the game Saturday, Nebraska let the defensive coordinator go. So you made the comment about, hey, we've got to make changes. We've got to make changes on the staff. And they've done that with an, even with the interim coach in there. All right. Yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. There, there's going to be a lot of – it's going to be a uh, tough year for Nebraska. We all know that this year. So, all right. you know. You got it. All right, let's get to Tech College Station Saturday night. Miami goes down 17-9. to To me, it was a game of Miami self-destructing. I mean, they, they moved the ball up and down the field all night long, missed field goal, blocked field goal. The punt returner drops a punt, which leads to an AM touchdown. The inability in the red zone to, to, you know, drop several drop passes. I mean, wide open drop passes by the receivers. What did what, you see in the, in, in the game? Well, I, I, I was I thought Miami would win that game. Miami's talent level very high. I, I was surprised they didn't play better. Um, you know, I, I just think that uh, you know, there's a number of things that happened in that game that were, you know, that just shouldn't have happened. And uh, you know, it's um, you know, we'll see we'll see how how Miami is as as the year goes. They haven't played anybody really. Texas A&M was the first team they played. Southern Miss, you know, they're, they they might be a decent team. But, you know, Miami should roll through the first two. And then Miami's got Middle Tennessee this week. So you really don't know right. what what all about until they start getting into the ACC and, and start playing some people. But, you know, I, I, I thought they played better than they did. You know, I really did. But they didn't, you know. Um, so, you know, it's – uh, special teams. I mean, just special team breakdowns. I mean well, – A number of things. Red Zone, like you said, there were some things that happened that game that – uh, you know, that, um, you know, that just, you know, obviously they'll, they'll get in there. They'll say they got to coach better. They got to play better. You know, everybody's in it together. So, you know, they got where they got, you know, they just need to kind of come back to them because that's the first team they played. That right. really is a decent team. So that, that, that game will show, show them a lot more who they are. And next week won't middle Tennessee. They should right. just roll middle Tennessee. And then, and then, then you start the ACC. So. I thought, I mean, defensively, I thought that, you know, you know defense better than anybody. I thought they played pretty well defensively, and A&M's got a good defense. Um, right. What would you see? Did you see anything schematically that makes you nervous? No, I mean, I thought they're overall – the defense, there's a few things I didn't like uh, personally, but I thought overall they played really well. Guys played hard. I just think offensively they could have done some more things. they got a very good quarterback. They do. Uh, let, them, let them play, and, uh, you know, I don't know. It's uh, – uh, I, I think they've got a very good quarterback. So I I, uh, I expect Miami to do well this year. I'll be surprised if they didn't. Got the potential to be a really good Florida State-Miami game in another month or so whenever they play. So, I mean, both teams progressing. That could be a really good uh, game here and, and decide a lot of things in the ACC. Um, all right, let's go um, UCF-FAU, a game you really thought FAU would play well. They were in the game at halftime, 16-14. They go down. They they get outscored twenty four nothing second half. The the Plumlee kid from UCF had a tremendous game. Three hundred forty yards passing, one hundred twenty yards rushing. Really dominated the game in the second half. Well, they couldn't stop the quarterback running. <clears throat> you know, to me that you know you got to make him one dimensional, make him try to beat you throwing the ball. To me, I 
you know, I, I didn't think Florida Atlantic did a very good job defensively on stopping that quarterback and he got away from him and, you know, and that's what happened. I, I was surprised the game halftime was more about what I thought it would be. I thought FAU came out, played, they scored right away in the opening drive. I thought they did some good things. I thought FAU would have a chance to beat Central Florida, quite honestly. Right. Uh, and at their place and, you know, they had momentum off the last win. Uh, Got to give again Central Florida some credit for going in there. And uh, I mean, it's not like going to the swamp or right. going to you know, some other places, but because uh, FAU just doesn't have, uh, you know, that home field advantage isn't in a great home field advantage, right. quite honestly. Right. And it's a beautiful place, and they've they've got nice facilities, but you're not going to get the support out of the crowd that uh, other places get. And but. Uh, yeah, their second half, they just didn't play well. You know, defensively, they got to play better than that. And uh, offensively, same thing. Got to protect football. Got to uh, got to do some things there. But um, yeah, UCF, still- UCF gained 650 yards of offense. That's that's, I know. that's just a ton. And then killed them in time of possession, 37-22. Well, you know, I, I mean, Malzahn does a good job. They do a good job offensively. Their schemes are tough. I mean, I was a defense coordinator at SMU last year. We played UCF and beat them. And um, but I, it was hard. Uh, it was hard for me to to uh, to stop all the things that they were doing. Our guys played pretty well in that game, yeah. and uh, uh, you know got the win. But uh, but it's it's a, it's a challenge. You know, you stop that quarterback running, and he can throw it, and uh, it's not easy. Uh, Mal- but Malzahn wants to run the ball with the quarterback. That's where he his bread and butter is when he has a quarterback that he really can lean on to run the ball. And this Plumley kid, he's a better runner than he is a thrower, I think, but. Um, right. that's the, but that's the Oedipus of their offense is to be able to quarterback run the ball as part of that, that, uh, zone read scheme. Yeah. I, I, and I, and he does a good job. I mean, they're well coached. They know what they're doing. And, uh, um, you know, and I know Orlando's a good, a good football coach, a defense coordinator at FAU. I mean, he's, right. he's really good things, a lot of different places. And, you know, uh, you know, last Saturday though, that wasn't good. It wasn't, you know, you can't give up 650 yards certainly. And, uh, he can't give up 40 points, you know. It's right. just too many, too many yards, and he knows that. They know that. They've got good coaches, you know. Uh, you know, and they just got to you know, move past that one. But, you know, now now FAU goes to Purdue. Right. Who That's, lost a heartbreak, heartbreaker to Syracuse over the weekend at, at the basically in the last 15, 20 seconds. I watched the end of that game. That was a back and forth. That fourth quarter was a wild fourth quarter against Syracuse. Both teams were – you know, they scored like 42 points in the fourth quarter between them. So that was a tremendous finish on Syracuse. And you're right. Purdue's going to be a tough, that's going to be a tough, tough out for uh, FAU. Well, you know, they, they went on the road and lost to Ohio. Now you got to go on the road to Purdue and that's not going to be easy. And you, you, you got to, you know, if you got to be, be able to play well on the road. If you're right. going to have a real game, you know, and uh, I mean, FAU's got talent. There's no question. They got talent. Uh, they've got good people. And, uh, you know, I, nothing would surprise me in this world. I mean, I mean, how, I, I mean, Northwestern gets beat out of who's, I, I who was, I don't know who beat Northwestern. I forgot who Southern who Illinois, Southern yeah. Illinois, this Southern Illinois in their opening game lost to incarnate word, like 60 Jeez. to 20 something. Jeez. And they beat Northwestern, you know, and then, then you look at Appalachian state with Troy the last, you know, the, the hail Mary, uh, and right, then, I want to ask you about that as a defensive coordinator. I know it's hard; you can't practice those kind of plays. But what do you, 
What are the big concepts you talk to your defense about when you know it's a Hail Mary kind of play? Talk to the audience about what you tell your DBs well, how to how to defend it. Seriously, how to defend it. Well, usually if it, you know, in my in my mindset, if it's on the other side of the 50, I go with a three-man rush. I drop everybody. And certainly you work on that play. You work on that play at least twice a week. And you get it out there and you do it. And sometimes you'll do it against your offense, and only one group is going to go up for the ball, one group's not. But, uh, you know, if they're getting close to that 50-yard line, I'm bringing heat. <laughs> yeah, make them throw the ball. I'm going to make sure that quarterback doesn't have time to throw it. Right. Uh, he's got to throw it early. And last year, I'll never forget, I was with, uh, I mean, two years ago, I was at FAU, and the defense coordinator at Marshall, we talked about running this uh, one defense I call shovel, which is zero coverage and bringing the heat. <laughs> and we were, I forget who we were playing, but the ball's at the 50, and I, dang it, I ran it. I brought everybody, and we got an interception. The quarterback had no time to throw it, but I remember Coach Taggart said, what are you doing? I said, well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like those Hail Mary throws. It makes me too nervous. I, I've, been, I've seen yeah. too many people beat by them. <laughs> so, you know, if it's close to 50-yard line, don't, don't bring the three-man rush. But if, you're good, if it's the other side of 50, which is what I think it was, yep. and you do have that three-man rush, man, you, you've got to have a jumper. you got to have somebody for the tip ball. And you got to box out. They didn't box out. The worst part is he didn't catch the ball in the end zone. He caught the ball at the three and then ran in. I know, and that's why I'm saying you might even box out, and it might those things might happen. So bring five, bring six, get that, get make that quarterback throw the ball earlier than he than he wants to. Right. Uh, you know, and but it's you know, I mean, good coaches have gone through there. Good coaches have been beat by you know. I mean, like those and, guys are bad coaches. And the coolest part is, is, is App State had game day at the on campus that day. So it was the first time they ever had game day. And then you win a game like that in a miracle fashion. What a what a weekend in Boone. And look at Georgia Southern getting beat. Yeah, I know. You know, after going to beat Nebraska. Right. I mean, I don't know. This whole <laughs> oh it makes it makes that's why everybody, you know, college football is so exciting. Everybody, that's why y'all got that's why you guys got a lot of a lot of gray hair. Fortunately, I haven't been in that situation too many times. Now, at SMU last year, we beat La Tech on on the last play at the 50, just like that. Exactly. Go back and Google it up, our game against La Tech, and it was Skip (laughs) Holt, you know, who took my place. And uh, and Skip's a good coach, but we uh, we threw the ball at the last play, and same thing, same thing. Tipped the ball out, ran into the end zone, and won the game. Do you guys tip? Would, would you normally call a timeout before that play on defense just to make sure everybody understands what you want to do? If you have it, yeah. Okay. You know, certainly you want to you want to talk about it again. But uh, the main thing is I need to know what you know, where's that ball. If it's, right. I'm telling you, inside the fifty, I'm going to bring people. Is that you is know, that a situation too? Because you see the, you see a lot of this in the NFL where they'll put a Gronkowski or a big guy, six foot six guy on your defense who might be a tight end or an offensive player. Did you ever use offensive players in that defense to put a big tall wide receiver in the game? To, oh, the I did back. Hey, I had a guy named Anthony Henry who I played back there. He played both ways though, but it happened to us when we were playing New Orleans Saints when I was at San Francisco. It, you didn't know whether they're going to go for a fugal because they're at the 50, right? You know, kickers can go or whether they're going to go to the end zone. And you had two different calls you made. Well, we were fortunate they threw it up in the end zone. The big tight end from Miami named Jimmy, um, I forgot Jimmy his Graham. name, but Jimmy, Jimmy Graham. Graham caught it and, and out elbowed our DB. I mean, he, the guy's so big. Uh, fortunately, they called offensive pass interference. We didn't lose the game, but you know, it's 
And Vic Fangio is our D coordinator. Vic Fangio is one of the best yeah. out there. Yeah. And he gets he gets caught on different calls. And <laughs> you know, he, he gave a call down to me and I'm sending it out to Pat Willis and and uh and then we knew right away that we thought they might go go for go out of bounds and, and we had one call and um and they went ahead and went to the end zone and I mean there are good coaches out there. They oh, get yeah. they get this stuff. They get burned. You know, and, and they work at it. Thanks, Coach Levitt, for the great insight on week four of the college football season and how to defend the Hail Mary pass. What a finish for App State. Up next, Colin Sherwin, the college sports editor at DraftKings Nation, is going to be joining us to talk some gambling, college football, NFL, through three weeks and two weeks of the NFL, and give you a couple picks for the upcoming weekend. We'll be right back. Are you ready to profit this NFL and college football season? Do you need picks to profit with your sports gambling outlet? Reach out to Picks to Profit at 813-542-7559. One flat monthly fee of $100. No more, no less. You will receive six picks every week of the college football and NFL season. Point spreads, totals, prop plays, teasers, maybe even a parlay. You'll get all six picks emailed and texted straight to your mobile device on game day. Let us do the work while you profit. Picks to Profit, 813-542-7559. And now a word from BetUS. Hey guys and girls, with the college football and NFL season now underway, you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely. Go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have for all of our podcasts. You'll receive 125% of a sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in, you get an extra $125. Put $200 in, you get an extra $250. So forth and so on. BetUS has all the NFL, MLB postseason, NBA, tennis, golf, Premier League, and college football wagers to bet on. But we all know you are all college football and NFL fans, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUS. Check them out at BetUS.com, and remember our 125% matching bonus for all initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS, you bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid. All right, we're back on the Powers on Sports podcast. We're going to talk a little week three college football and some week two NFL gambling trends. Got no no better person to talk to than Colin Sherwin. Colin works for DraftKings Nation. He's a college football editor for them, but he's real tied into the gambling uh, angles and the got all got some new software. He just tell me about that. He can see all the good stuff. All the where's, where's all the money going? Welcome back to the podcast, Colin. Uh, great to be here, Jason. We are in my milieu. Um, yeah, there's there's some odd screens out there that have uh, definitely stepped changed the game a little bit, and um, we're now getting live odds from all all sports books all over the world. Uh, just shot right into my veins. It's pretty fantastic. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, there have been there have been some wild finishes in the National Football League, especially related to the point spreads and the over unders and all that stuff in the last couple of weeks. Obviously I had, a, had the, the I, miracle. I had, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I had a buddy who just dropped off a, a pile of cash uh, at my house because his bank limited him after uh, having, I believe it was 
was it Arizona? He was fading Arizona in, in on in game and just yep. got butchered. Yeah. So <laughs> and then you had the it Jets happens. come back. The Jets come back against Cleveland. I think yep. they had like a ninety nine point nine percent chance of winning that game. And the Jets score two touchdowns in the last two minutes with no timeouts and onside kicks and all that stuff. So crazy. Talk to me about some of the college college football trends that you've seen for, through the first three weeks or so from a gambling perspective. So uh, some teams that I I thought would be good. Um, what one was I hit the best bet of my life? Honestly, I had Kansas over two and a half wins when the season started, and wow. I cashed it in week three. Um, <laughs> it's the it's the best bet I will ever make. Um, I I really liked Kansas going into the season. They have borne that out with just some phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, smart play i think lance leipold is one of the best coaches in the country i think nebraska if they'd be foolish not to come hard at him um they also you know arizona state's a job that's going to be available you know there are some if he stays at kansas that's going to be fantastic for that program but they're now they're going to really need to pony up to keep him because the competition is going to come for that guy and he's really that good um it as far as teams at the top i i thought duke was going to be the worst power five team this year they're three and oh um they, and they play are, Kansas this week in the final and they, in a final four college football matchup <laughs> in a final four undefeated college football <laughs> matchup uh the blue bloods play each other in Duke and Kansas yeah it's been fin- fantastic to see um I'm a little more sold on Kansas than I am on Duke at this point just on the numbers but I think that um both teams I think it's great for both teams that they're back in it and also let's give a little credit to Clark Lee and Bandy um you know they've they're not world beaters at any point by this stretch. I, it'll be tough for them to get an SEC game in the books, um, but they're doing okay. And they're they're where they should be at, at, at their point of their process. Um, Syracuse, I really like uh, what they've done so far as well this season. Um, that miracle comeback, you know, they probably should have lost that game, quite honestly. Wild um, finish against, against Purdue. Purdue. Wild finish. Purdue threw it away with both hands and the officials to help them do so. Um, but yeah, I think Syracuse is in pretty good shape. Um, new offensive coordinator uh, replacing a former USF offensive coordinator. And I think that was a really good move for that program. Um, they are definitely moving the ball as Dino Babers did in his first couple of seasons in Syracuse. Um, and, you know, they can be exciting. And I think they can be a team that's going to be a factor maybe one or two years from now in the ACC. Um I'm still not sold on Florida State, and I know possibly the injury to Jordan Travis makes Rod, which makes Rodemaker the most likely starter this weekend. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sold on what we saw out of Rodemaker. I want to see a team that game plans and, and prepares to play right. take Rodemaker and see and see how he looks um, when somebody's got some tape on him and somebody knows. Okay, this is how we're going to attack this guy. So um, yeah, I. I I'm not quite sold there on, on Florida state. They have danced through the range ops. I would say in 2020 and 2021, they were probably one of the unluckier slash um, worst game managed teams in the country. And it seems like through three games so far that they've maybe gotten a little bit of that karma coming back the other way, but I'm still not sold in Florida state. Let's go to the top of the heap there in college football. Is there any gambling value in Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, whether it's for that, for or against? What are you seeing there with those with kind of the heavyweights, the three heavyweights that we've all anticipated being the heavyweights? Yeah. So Georgia, um, I, I, I've got a sorry, I'm I'm like looking through here. So Georgia, I'm just not seeing like you know, anyone that's going to be able to compete. They seems like the best team. So it's Kent state this week. They're going to be able to name their score. They're probably going to cover by 45 comfortably. Um, Kent state 
tends to have a little bit of offensive juice. They might be able to even put up, you know, I think the team total in that would probably be six and a half, seven and a half, somewhere yep. in that range. Yep. Um, so I would say that maybe you, you you might lose a backdoor touchdown there and end up losing that one. So um, be with careful. Georgia, with Georgia, they have the ability this year, what they didn't have last year is the offensive firepower. Bennett's a lot more confident. The tight ends yes. are awesome. You know, they've, they've got good running backs, good receivers. Where last year, they heavily leaned on that defense, where this year, they're going to score 35 to 40 every week almost, certainly, and you have the elite defense to go with it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I the the game that seems to be really all over the board this week is is that Notre Dame-North Carolina game. Right. Um, keep an eye on that one. That line has gone both sides. It's been a pick em. It's been one team's favored by less than three. The other team's favored by less than three. Um, right now, it appears to be North Carolina is about a somewhere between a point and a half and two and a half point favorite. Yep. Um, so keep an eye on that one as well. That could be really interesting. I really I I like North Carolina in that spot. I just don't think that Notre Dame has anything in Drew Pine and I don't right. think they're going to be able to move the ball. Um, you can put it on Tommy Reese if you want to, but it, it seems like they just don't have the horses right now to score the football. So um, and, and North, North Carolina, we their defense certainly questionable, but they will be able to score. Drake May um, doing a great job at quarterback for Carolina. Younger yeah. brother of Luke May, the, 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 the Carolina hoops legend back in the day. That's his younger brother. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun to watch um, that team, and and they've certainly played some exciting games this year for sure. Maybe not always the best played games, but they've yeah. certainly been exciting. Um, it, in state, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and in state, you know, and, and as far as in state this week, um, keep an eye on UCF. I look, I obviously I'm a USF grad. I'm not rooting for UCF, but it's only twenty and a half right now. And I think they just smoke Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is terrible. Right. Um, Jeff Collins is is a is a dead man walking. We have already pre-written his being fired at, at DraftKings Nation because it's going to happen. We just don't know when. Right. Um, but we're prepared. And <laughs> it's just he's uh he's in he's in deep trouble. That team is just not good at all. I, Jeff Sims has not gotten better, which is a shame because I think he has some talent. Um, but that team is just. Uh, 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 terrible they're there, terrible to watch on both sides of the ball is there a non-power five team that can make a run obviously we all thought byu and they got smoked mm -hmm. i loved i loved oregon last week at home to beat byu is there a, is there another non-power five team that can make a run towards a playoff berth boy you know whoever wins the Sun Belt this year is going to have a case but then app state lost in overtime at north carolina so the, if they had found a way to win that game, right. I think you could probably make the 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 college football playoff case. But they, you know, I mean, North Carolina. Speaking of throwing it away, North Carolina did everything they could to throw that <laughs> game away. Um, but uh, outside of that, I just don't see that there's a power five or a, a non um, power five team this year that's going to be able to do anything. Um, you know, that BYU game, I was real, look, I was very high on BYU before the season. Um, I thought they had enough veterans returning and then Oregon just went out there and mauled them. And I, I was surprised at the physicality of, of Oregon in that game. I thought they would struggle to be as physical as they were with BYU and BYU was just, Got just rolled up. over. And yeah, they were, they much. were down their big wide receivers, two of their starting, two of their guys, yeah. Romney and, um, Pakua, uh, the other kid, Pakua. Pakua, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, give me a best bet, a college football bet you like on the board this week, and then we'll go to the NFL. So I will. I have a ton, but uh, the one that I just, I'm just going to ride them until the, until they lose, and that's and that's USC. I think they're the, the fourth best team in the country. I think it's not even close, and the teams that they play are not anywhere close to being the fourth best team in the country. Yeah. Uh, laying six and a half this week, um, you know they have. I there's been three get there's been three USC games. They have covered all three. I have not sweat 
in any of them. Um, I have USC as just utterly dominant. People are seeing the ter- uh, the yardage plowed up against them. And they go, oh, well, you know, they're giving up a lot of yards. Yes, but they're doing that because they're attacking and trying to get turnovers. Right. So they either turn you over or they give up the TD. And that's fine because if they get the ball back, they're going to go down and score with maybe the a, if a top two offense in the right. country probably. So they're playing very smart, very thoughtful football, which is their game plan is we're going to try and get the ball back. And if we don't get the ball back, we're going to score anyway. And we're just going to continue to attack downhill and lean on this offense and Caleb Williams um, and Jordan Addison. And, and that's what they need to be doing. So, yeah, I really like USC, and I'm just going to ride them into the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen to the Powers on Sports podcast with Colin Sherwin, college sports editor for DraftKings Nation. Let's go to the NFL. Uh, again, what, some wild finishes. I mean, there have been some, there have been so many games that have been under under seven points with some just crazy finishes in the first two weeks. Just your overall thought, first two weeks of the NFL. Um, my, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, my, my beloved Philadelphia Eagles uh, look pretty good. I was a little, like, I, I have not exactly been a, a Jalen Hurts uh, super fan. Um, no. I'm not sure that he's the guy that you can win a Super Bowl with. I think he's a, a great human being and a really nice kid. And no. I certainly a guy you want on your roster in some capacity, but I'm just not sure if he was your starting quarterback. And he looked for through two weeks, he certainly shut me up. Um, I think the Eagles have looked really, really solid. I want to see them against a little bit of better comp. They're not going to get that this week with, uh, with the commanders um it's interesting because it feels like the dolphins have something yeah but that something might be overs uh a lot of points just both a lot of points a lot of points both ways a lot of yardage uh Tua, uh much like his brother talia at maryland is just really good for overs because he's gonna throw a lot of picks but he's also gonna score a lot too um so i really i i sort of feel like dolphins overs and that number is at 53 this week which is huge for an nfl game against right. the bills um and i still feel like over is the play um seven touchdowns in this game seems pretty easy to come by so usually when the number's that high you want to go over when the number's really low you want to go under because the market doesn't actually correct uh, efficiently enough so um seeing a 53 point total in the nfl makes me want to go over um i do like that as well um you nervous about the bengals joe burrow and all that's going on in cincinnati um not particularly i think they'll be fine um Get, uh, lane five at the Jets this week. What I'm interested to see with the Jets is, is you know, how they bounce back after Flacco. Uh, Flacco, can he re- repeat that performance? Ah, man, that guy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It looks, uh, found looks a, a wide receiver, though, and Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's they, a very good wide receiver. They have some players. It seems like they've got some some talent in the building, but um, it's, I I don't know. I am I'm staying away. I think I need a little bit more sample size there. Um, and then what, I guess I'm going to ask you here, what do you think of the, the Raiders, uh, lane two on the road at Tennessee? I know Tennessee's bad, but, um, is this a bounce back spot for the Raiders Man, after I mean, you would, I mean, meltdown? you would, I mean, Devonte Adams only got two touches last week, two catches for like 12 yards. They blew another, I mean, again, they were dominating Arizona for two and a half quarters up 20. They, they had a chance to beat the chargers in week one. I would think they would figure out a way to win this game in Tennessee because Tennessee's bad. Their defense is bad. The offensive line is bad. I mean, nothing, no running lanes for Henry. Tannehill looks like he's doing nothing but going the other way. Um, If the Raiders don't win this game, there'll be major questions in Las Vegas. Uh, Well, we've all made, we've all had questions. We've all had questions (laughs) in Las Vegas at points in our lives. We've all been there and and had some questions about what we're doing there. Um, Yeah, I, 
you know, it's so funny with the NFL, you know, I feel like in college, you can sort of like suss out what a team is a little bit sooner in the season, you know, like by week one, week two, you kind of have a sense that this team's going to be, you know, there's sort of a cap on the amount of talent and everything. Um, In the NFL, it takes just so little, you know, that to turn from one way to the other, it takes one or two key players. It takes one or two key matchups. It takes a, it takes a coordinator finding a way to put that talent together and and put the pieces together in a way that makes a little bit more sense. Um, So through two weeks, I mean, I'm I'm high on my Eagles. I'm high on on Dolphins overs. What are the um, what do the what do the numbers say? Underdogs have covered more than favorites, or which way's that kind of gone through two weeks? Any idea? You know, I I haven't pulled those numbers right now, but I do have some. I'm looking for some splits here, um, and it does look like, uh, you know what? I'm not going to be able to get that on here. Um, yeah, there's. I mean, look, offense is always up across the NFL, but I think the market started to price that in a bit, a bit at this point. So, right. um, you give know, give me a thought yeah. on Green. Give me a thought, Green Bay, Tampa, the showdown, Brady and Rogers here in Tampa Sunday afternoon. I, I'm not betting against Tom Brady at home, um, and it not does minus seem one like, point. Not minus one point. I'll take them all day. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I, look, Brady halftime, Brady. You know, maybe he's getting a little more rest. Maybe, I mean, my neighbor lives like right over there. You know, he's uh, maybe he's, you know, home a little bit more with the kids having, you know, taking Wednesdays off this year. I take Wednesdays off too, by the way. <laughs> so like Tom and I have a little something in common. Um, you know, it's, he's just sort of maybe that, maybe that's been good for him to like refresh and, and, you know, and he's got a veteran team anyway. Mo- losing Mike Evans though for this game is going to hurt though, for sure. He is certainly that, I, I I mean, he's not Gronk, but he is certainly that bailout. Okay, I need to get the ball to somebody. Let me find a big target. So not having Mike Evans out there, I think will be interesting. Um, it's a shame too. Uh, Mark, Marcus Valdez-Scantling will not be, is is now in Kansas City, um, yeah. who actually, um, the four, who was, I think, is missing in, in Green Bay as well yes. this season. They could certainly use him. Um, but it's so funny. He has a, his big tattoo on his back of uh, Raymond James Stadium from his time as a USF Bull. <laughs> and uh, I've always rooting for Marquez to come back and get to play in that stadium. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see this one. But, yeah, I mean, you know, by the numbers, and it does seem like by the betting splits as well, that the movement has been certainly towards the Bucks. I'm seeing some one and a halfs out there now. It's right. one. There's a two and a half at even uh, also that's available in the market. So the money is definitely coming in on the bucks early. One more thing. I'll get you out of here. Uh, tough news, obviously with Trey Lance going down, Jimmy G, just your thought on that whole situation. I mean, I hate to say it, but the 49ers probably got better when Trey Lance went down. Probably. And it turns out that um, John Lynch's move to just go ahead and pay both quarterbacks for a season turned out to be the right decision. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, uh, look, I, I was, Skeptical about Trey Lance, especially because he only played one game in 2020 before he right. got drafted. Right. Uh, it feels like, you know, something about the rhythm of football and then having to sit out all of 2021. I mean, he hasn't played a lot of football in in the last two and a half, three years and not getting the snaps and the reps in game time um, might have something to do with that. I hope he has a great career. I hope he's got a great future. I'm always rooting for the North Dakota State kids because I feel like anybody, you know, whenever those FCS kids get a chance to to make it at the next level, I think it's a great story and it's great for FCS football. But yeah, it's just not, it wasn't working. And to see Jimmy G back there, who I believe is still a free agent at the end of this season, he's be playing for a lot of money. Um, Yeah, we'll see. Um, (laughs) But yeah, John John Lynch sort of got proven right here, didn't he? That was a a great move to to do that. Everybody wanted them to just send him off to whatever purgatory, whether it was Cleveland or Seattle, that was, that might be the move that saves their season because again, he's the best insurance policy in football. 
Absolutely. you know, from, from a backup quarterback perspective. Well, and by the way, one more North Dakota State guy, Christian Watson, Tampa Plant product, high school, Green Bay Packer, went to Plant High School. He's a North oh. Dakota State guy too. So, back oh, the Tampa H- roots. Good old HB Dad Stadium. I. Uh... <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, keep up the great work, Colin. Awesome job, man. College sports editor, Draft King Nation, Colin Sherwood. Tell everybody where they can find John Line. Uh, you can find me at um, at Colin Sherwin on Twitter, at C-O-L-L-I-N, and then all of our stuff is at dknation.draftkings.com. When is gambling going to be legal in the state of Florida here, my man? What's oh, boy. That? I would say um, 2024 at earliest, unfortunately, oh, that ballot really? measure. So, yeah. yeah What's the deal there? That just con- that just Congress yeah, and it, state Senate it, and all that stuff? Your governor didn't exactly write a law that was um, super fantastic, but um, yeah, <laughs> well, uh, it, it, it's a long story, uh, but yeah, it's going to be 2024 at our list. Awesome, man. Have a great weekend, Colin, and check out DraftKings for all your gambling information and college football editorial stuff with Colin and his staff. Keep up the great work, man. Thanks, Jason. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.